Hi, Susie Price. Hi, Ryan Cora. <laughs> so January 10th, you announce mayor of Long Beach that you're going for it. Is this something uh, you've always wanted to do? No, it's not. Um, it's something I had thought about in the past, but I wasn't planning on running. Um, and the opportunity presented itself, and now I'm in. So politicians always get like such a bad rap, right? Like they really do. I mean, politic like they get a little bit of a bad rap. But so many politicians truly start out to like do good, right? And somewhere in it that we like lose their story. Like how do how does somebody get involved? to this level to eventually run, want to run such a major city in the U.S.? What's the origin story for you? Well, I mean, I guess the story is going to be different for everybody, depending on who you talk to. Um, and it's going to be unique and special for everyone. I'm happy to share with you mine. Yeah. I'm going to take you back 49 years. <laughs> um, I actually was born in this country. I was born in uh, North Carolina. And my dad was a student at NC State, and he and my mom lived here. And uh, I was born, and we went back to my country of origin, which is Iran. That's where my parents are from. Got it. And um, when we went back there as, as a baby, um, we lived there for a little while. My parents had my sister. And then there was a revolution. Um, so in 1979, there was a revolution, a political revolution in the country. And my mother and I left the country. Um, when we left the country, when you say political revolution, because I've, I've obviously heard, but most people haven't lived through anything like that. What what is a like? What happened? What does that feel like? I mean, you're how old? At, at yeah, that's a great question. So I was seven years old, and at the time, the country, um, the the person in power was the Shah of Iran. And uh, there was a political uprising, and the religious sector of the community rose up to overturn uh, his power and change the government structure. And I remember I went to a private school uh, there, and I remember uh, driving through the streets. Well, first of all, my parents were late picking me up one day because both my parents worked, and I was the last kid left at school. Yeah. And there was bombings and uh, a lot of fires in the street, just complete chaos chaos kind of like when we see here when there's looting yeah. uh, we see those images it was like that in the streets and i was left at the school and i remember hiding under the desk of the principal waiting for my parents to come and pick me up i was the last kid left and i remember being in the car and driving through the streets and there were people on both sides of the street with trash cans filled with fire where they were throwing any books and references to the Shah of Iran in there. Um, and it was, it was a full-blown revolution. Um, people were leaving the country in mass numbers. And um, my mother, who was a nurse in Iran, um, she and I left the country. So I was raised here. Um, we moved with my uncle a little bit. Um, while I learned how to speak English, my mother passed all her exams to become a nurse in the US and went on actually to help hundreds of women who immigrated to this country pass their exams to become a school nurse. So by 10 years old, you experience a political revolution, learning English, new country, you're watching your mom like become this superwoman in, in a lot of, I mean, this is a lot going on on top of just growing up. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I was seven at the time. And look, back then, we didn't talk about things like mental health the way we do now. And, you know, I remember snippets of things that I experienced that probably were now, I, I know, especially having been a, a victim's lawyer for 22 yeah. years, trauma. Yeah. Now, honestly, when you think of, I mean, you just come off as a powerful woman, right? Like, 
very in charge, type A kind of feeling. And so to think that the origin story didn't have that a little bit, right? I think gives probably hope to a lot of people, right? Like that you I don't so. have to be this, like you the, the story, the journey isn't like so perfect, right? No, and I have committed my life, my life's purpose, even way be outside of council, my life's purpose has been talking to young people about never giving up on themselves, trying to convince them that they're special in their own way and to find what it is that makes them special and build on that, capitalize, play to their strengths. Um, I do an anti-bully workshop now every year for the youth. I've been doing it every year. I've been on city council um, because I was bullied and I don't want that to hold anybody back. I don't want anyone to feel like they can't believe in themselves because someone else isn't believing in them. So, so you, so from, so if you fast forward a little bit, so from college to becoming a city council member, what was the starting point of, of getting into politics? So when I was in, uh, at Long Beach State, I started to learn I had this leadership ability. I was an associate justice on the student judiciary. I became a, a senator for the student government. And then I became student body president. I mean, I ran against I was in the sorority, so I was a leadership position in sorority, but I ran against a fraternity guy and a guy that was like president of La Raza. So he had all this like minority support. And the, this was I, your first big win. It was my first big win. Yeah. And um, and I and ended this is up, your senior year of it was my senior year. And um, but well, what I ran for it my senior year of college, which was 1994. But I ended up staying at the university and getting a master's degree because once I got elected, I was like, do yeah. I just get another bachelor's yeah. or do I just get a master's degree? Yeah. So I ended up getting a master's degree. I graduated as the outstanding student for the university, which is crazy. That's and I, amazing. I got to speak at graduation. I mean, here was a kid who barely made it out of high school. I wish I had gold stars right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Trust me, they're flashing. Yeah, my head. Yeah, I, I would give you like something to put on. I mean, right it now. was a pretty, it was a pretty big deal. And I got my master's in public policy, and then um, got to go to law school. And I worked my way through law school. I was an adjunct professor at Cal State Hayward. And I worked with community-based organizations in Oakland to bring access to underserved communities, uh, access to technology. I taught. This was back when internet was brand new. It was 1996. This is right before Al Gore invented the internet. Yes, right, right, right before right he was yeah. right on the cusp right of the it. Cusp. Yeah, and I was uh, in the Silicon Valley. I went to law school at Santa Clara, and every day on my drive to Hayward to teach, and then to Santa Clara and back, I drive through 14 cities, and I saw sun and. Um, you know, and, uh, all these co- companies go up, Oric, all these companies went up around me yeah. as I was driving to school every day. Yeah. And I was a part-time student. So I went to school with all these people who were trying to become patent lawyers because their companies were all su- sending them there. So it was a fascinating, I remember this guy that I went to law school with and interned at eBay for the summer. eBay was brand new. No one knew right. what eBay was. And we all kind of made fun of him because we all got these great internships yeah. and he didn't get an internship. So he went to work for free for eBay. Well, they went public that summer and he came back to school with a brand new Audi and a condo. <laughs> so um, anyway, but it was a great time to be up there. And uh, uh, I, um, my first uh, internship when I was in law school was at a DA's office and I got to work on a rape case with a 17-year-old victim. And it was a brutal, brutal case, multiple defendants. And um, when the jury reached a verdict on the case and I hugged her, I just knew immediately there this was, is what this is what I need to do. This is what I'm going to dedicate my life to. And so I never worked anywhere else. I just was a DA 
So, so DAs right now are, are under a lot of fire, right? I mean, it, it seems like in Southern California, right? Like what's going on in LA? Well, some more than others. Some more than others, <laughs> right? But, but, but DAs seem to set a tone in a city around crime, right? Around their approach to crime. Would that be accurate or am I? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you, you loop DA in with criminal justice system, right? We're part of the criminal justice system. And this is actually a, a great time, I think, to be a district attorney because we can be on the forefront of criminal justice reform and making smart decisions about what reform looks like instead of reactive decisions. Yeah. Uh, I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to get to do that every day. In my current job now, I don't actually try cases anymore. I'm a supervisor and there's all these criminal justice reform initiatives that I'm so proud of, so proud to be a part of. Um, that our office is is supporting. And it's just, to me, what a lot of people don't know about DAs is there's this assumption when you think DA, someone who's going to lock, lock the door and hide the key or whatever that expression is, throw away the key. Yeah. We work with people who are victims of crime every day. They're, they come into this system that's so foreign to them. They're scared. And we hold their hands through the system. We help them apply for a U visa if they're here illegally. We want them to feel protected. And when there's no one that will listen to their voice, that's what we do. And and that's just, it's such an honorable job in that way. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think for me, that's the beauty of the job. I mean, I dedicated, I've done sexual assault, domestic violence, um, You've seen, homicide you've, uh, games. seen everything. I've seen everything. And, you know, the, what I'm most known for, I think, in the state of California is my work with DUI fatalities. So I was the prosecutor that that handled the case with the Angels pitcher that was killed and really got to bring a lot of awareness to impaired driving and the impact that it has and how you could be charged with murder even if you don't intend to kill someone by taking a risk on other people's mm -hmm. lives. And it's just been phenomenal. But on the other side, I mean, that's the courtroom stuff. Outside of the courtroom, I've had the privilege and the honor to work on early intervention strategies by taking on mentees that are fifth graders about to be suspended. And I go to their school and I talk to them about how special they are and making the right choice and how important it is for them to reject some of the things that are so hard for them to reject because they're right there in their community. They yeah. have to walk by it every day. So, so you have this, you have this DA side or this, you know, this law and, and then you have this political side, but in some ways they're intermixed, aren't they? I mean, I think for me, it's about service first and foremost, yeah. service to your community and letting people have a voice. I mean, that really, that's what the two jobs have in common is making sure people have a voice. Um, that's whether, been your fight. That's been. Do you think that's why if you go back to Long Beach State, why do you think you won that? I'm just curious. What was your why did you win that election? Because I'm a very hard worker. And I think people I, I get that from you. And, and really, most people I talk to talk so much about how hard you, you work. I, I work really hard. But I'll tell you one thing. I know this from from being a trial attorney. You can't sit across the table from someone and not be able to use your gut and everything you know in life to be true to make a judgment call on their character, their authenticity. And I think that's my biggest strength. I'm extremely authentic to a fault. Um, How I does it become a fault? Because sometimes I say things that are unpopular or things that people don't want to hear. Um, sometimes I say things that people consider harsh um, because I'll, I won't tell you something that I don't believe in yeah. and I won't give you false hope. That's really important to me. Um, I think part of that has to do with being 
a trial attorney. You you, you can't you can't give the jury fluff. They're going to yeah. see right through it. Um, they know when someone's not being real with them. They know when someone's in it for the wrong reasons. And so I've spent 22 years having to talk to complete strangers and how I've never met before and get them to trust me. And the only way they can do that is by judging you from sitting across the table and, from you. And, and, the, and what you're saying is the impression is authenticity. They're, they're getting that whatever she's giving me, it's authentic. Maybe I don't agree with it. And we live in, a, in a, such a society of kind of say anything to get anything, right? Like whatever it, whatever it takes, right? Yeah, and I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Um, I believe you have to do the right thing to the best of your ability and you need to be honest about it and you need to be pure in, yeah. in how you communicate with people. People know, they can tell. If someone's BSing them, they can yeah. tell. So, so you're running for mayor. You're doing this in a city that probably needs to hear a lot of brutal truth if it really wants to tr change, right? Do you think the city is, has open ears? Like, do you think it could handle your truth? Like if you, if the city said, okay, Susie, talk to us, like what's the, what's like the truth here? Well, anytime you're looking to talk about policies and things that are important that may not be status quo, it's going to be a difficult conversation. And the mayor of the city of Long Beach cannot and should not be afraid to have difficult conversations. Um, I'm not afraid to have difficult conversations. And I'm not afraid to say no to things that I don't think are going to be good for the city. Uh, to me, it's not, I don't care about being on the winning side of a vote. Never have. I know that's important to some people. It's not important Ex to maybe, me. Maybe explain to the person that typically, or that doesn't know, to, to get something passed, require, there's nine districts. You have to have five to, to, to get it to pass. And the, but the mayor can veto that. It, yes. Yes. Is that kind of a snapshot of yes. it? Yes, basically, yes. And what you're saying is you're just going to vote what you believe is right, even if it doesn't win. That's what I've been doing for eight years. And that has made some people happy, and it's made some people really unhappy. The thing about me is that I don't just vote. I articulate why I'm voting a certain way. And that's the part that I think rubs some people the wrong way. Because if people don't like what you're saying they won't hear what you're saying. If they don't like- They block it. They, they, they don't they, hear. Yeah. So if you're if you're in the weeds saying, I don't want to vote for this because there's no nexus here, or this is going to cost, cost us this amount of money, which is going to have this ripple effect, they will stop listening at a certain point when you say, I'm going to vote no, or I'm not supportive of this. And that's what I hope we change. Uh, it's human nature. If, if you don't, think you're going to like what you want to hear, it's human nature. You shut out. You, you block, block out. out. You don't hear what you don't want to hear. So what what do you feel like Long Beach would need to hear? What would you say you really need to hear this? This really would be something that you would want to bring to, to the forefront. We have the potential to be a world-class city. We are situated in a place that is beautiful and we have the diversity of all the makings to have a world-class city. What we need to do is focus on building a very strong foundation that we can build from. And over the last eight years that I've been on the council, we've lost sight of what a strong foundation means or what a strong foundation means is different to different people. Mm. 
And if you say Maybe no, different to different people in different parts of the city. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. But I think every city, and I know this from back when I got my master's in public policy and we studied cities like Visalia, believe it or not, yeah. in regards to what makes the city strong. And if you were to treat a city as a business would treat a customer, and I, my husband and I are business owners, yeah. We're, we're very aware of the Yelp reviews and how important <laughs> yeah. customer service so is. And I've been a constituent serving council person for eight years because customer service to me is the number one responsibility of a council person. Number, If you can't give the customer, the residents, the type of service they expect from their city or at least try, then you're failing. And so we have a very diverse city. So what are the needs? What are the needs in each city? Where are there common needs? Mm -hmm. Where there are common needs, do we have a solid handle on that? And is that what you're calling the foundation? What when you say build on that foundation? What what is the foundation that I think, you think you know, uh, you know, a, a back to basics kind of mentality of we need to, core services need to be funded mm -hmm. at a respectable level. Police, fire, homeless response our planning and development services department. I'll mm. tell you as a small business owner, those two weeks that you're waiting for someone to sign off on a piece of paper so you can open your doors are the most brutus, brutal sleepless nights yeah. you'll ever have. Yeah. You're hemorrhaging money and Cash. you're just waiting, yeah. waiting for someone to stop by if they have time and sign off the paperwork. And we just don't have enough people. Yeah. And that's for a city of our size. So to me, we're gonna have to defer some wants in order to fund some so, needs. And, and some people would say, well, you're expanding the government, but what you're saying is by expanding potentially these services, they allow the citizen to have a better experience, right? Whether that's opening up business or being able to call the fire department and get a response that you need to make sure that if the city is a business, that it's staffed accordingly. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, infrastructure, street paving, potholes, sidewalks, that's a core city function no matter what side of town you live on. Yeah. Because I can tell you, I've been I've been going out and talking with people all over the community. And I'll tell you what everybody wants is a safe pathway for their child to walk to school. What everybody that's wants- a con That's one of those common things, whatever, wherever you go in the city, I want my kid to be safe. I want my kid to be safe. Everybody feels that passionately. They may articulate it in different ways. Yeah. Everybody wants their kids to be able to go to the park and safely play in the park and use the restrooms. Yeah, there, We've got restrooms closed in multiple parks because we cannot ensure a safe environment for people to use those restrooms because of the types of activities that we're seeing in those yeah. restrooms. That's not okay. That's gotta be a main focus for us. Every resident, no matter what part of town, and I look, I know this, it was very important for my mother to provide an environment for me that she felt proud of. I was her yeah, child and nothing in the world is more important to her than me. Yeah. And so having pride for your family and dignity for your family about the place they call home is important to everyone. And although some people may call it vain, when people step outside of their house, they need to look to the right and the left and feel pride yeah. in where they live. They don't need to see graffiti. They don't need to see, you know, potholes. They don't need to see broken fences. They don't need to see things that remind them that they haven't achieved as much as they would have liked to. That is so, a sad reality. On the drive-in this morning, I'm driving down uh, through downtown uh, on Ocean, and I watch, I, I'm stopped at a stoplight. I watch this woman come out of her house or apartment or whatever, 
and there's a bottle of like alcohol or whatever, empty and a cup and a different thing. I watch her pick it up. I watched this this morning. This happened. And she did it in a way that of, of pride, like this is, and you see so many people that don't take that level of pride in their city. What what would you say that if, if from an overall attitude or energy from the city, what would need to change to to accomplish what you're talking about of of of, of really committing to a foundation? What what would the attitude need to change in the city? Well, the hardest thing, and and we have a lot of great people working in the city. Our staff is amazing. Our city employees. How many are amazing. total employees uh, in the city of Long Beach? Rough numbers. I don't know. Yeah, I can't I tell don't you either. that. It's I, I can't tell you. I can't give you an answer to that because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, but I can tell you, we have amazing employees in the city. We have a yeah. m- amazing staff. I mean, they're these are not bureaucrats. These are experts in their own industries who could probably make a lot more money outside in the private sector, and they don't. They choose to give to the city because they have a heart of service, um, much like I do. I've been- See, I, that's why I don't think people, be- I mean, I know what you're saying, but I don't, I just think the average person does not think that. They think, they think that it's power. They think it's this, but I hear you talking a lot about service and care. Well, I can't speak for all politicians. I, I can only speak about me, but I yeah. can tell you for the city staff, and I try to highlight them. I've actually gotten in trouble in the past for highlighting <laughs> credentials of city staff, but like we just had a community meeting where we had our legislative director speak, and he's got a doctorate, and he could be making a ton of money elsewhere, but yet he's working for the city because he cares about policy. And, and I, I bragged on him a bit. I probably yeah. embarrassed him. I made him tell everybody like his background and his education because yeah. to me, it's a huge score for our city. We need to utilize the, the staff that we have and the employees that we have and do something that's very difficult. And I'm not sure that I can guarantee this to people, but I can guarantee that I will try. Yeah. We need to get on the same page about some core fundamental services and make sure that we are performing those at a gold standard level. Yeah. At a good Yelp, at a good Yelp rating. We need to f- do, focus do we on have our a Yelp. Rate, do, is there, does Long Beach have a Yelp rating? Does I that, don't know, that's a it, good they question. Should, we, I, I mean, that know. would be, um, that could be a good ad. But what I think I hear you saying is, here's a person, they're not doing it for money. They're doing it for a higher, something, a higher calling of service, of goodness, of wanting to give back to their city. And you're highlighting this. And some people are finding this to be a problem. Well, I think sometimes people feel put on the spot, but I think it's important for us to showcase the amazing employees that we have at the city. I yeah. just think that that's 100%. really important. I think there's just a lot of like, I mean, our our, our public works director, unbelievable human being. I mean, not to call him out. Yeah. They're all great. Yeah. I'm not going to have time to go through all of them, but each one has a different story and a different path. And I think we're lucky as a city to have them working for us. So to go back to that win at Long Beach State, how you felt when you won, where were you? Do you remember? Yeah, I was in the student union and I won by six votes. Out of how many? I think it was like a turnout of 20,000 or something like that. Or no, there were 20,000 of uh, who could vote. And I can't remember how many ended up voting, but 20,000. You win by six. Six votes out of a a voter pool of 20,000. Now I'm a, I'm a, Right now, I'm doing this deal called I Am Mayor really to try to drive higher voter turnout that people take ownership of their city. And right now, it's like 15% voter turnout or something like this in in Long Beach, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. If you only have 15% of people voting, 
it says everything about their attitude and ownership to their city. Like I want to see more ownership and, 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 and a lot of times people will go, Oh, my vote doesn't count. My vote doesn't count. Six votes. And at Long Beach State, it counts. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I absolutely voting counts. I mean, you hear about I was just talking to someone the other day that lost a city election by hundred and something votes. Yeah. You know, so every vote matters for sure. But you know, what you're describing in terms of voter turnout, I'm not sure that that is that unusual for a city of this size. Yeah. And I don't know. I haven't yeah. studied it. But sometimes that happens in a city of this size. It's a very diverse city. And um, voter turnout, you know, tends to be lower in a lot of big cities. Yeah. So when you when you visualize this win, you're visualizing the win. And what do you think you get when you win? Like, what do you what are you would you what would you be most excited about getting this opportunity to change Long Beach in which way or influence? I know you're talking about, you know, really this foundation, but. Does, what is, does Long Beach look different? Does it feel different? Does it have a better Yelp rating, if you will? I hope that it will have a better yeah. Yelp rating yeah. uh, if we want to analogize it to that in time. Yeah. Uh, but I think immediately um, the rhetoric would change. Uh, not from our current mayor. Our mayor, I think, does a beautiful job of it. But some of the rhetoric that we're seeing in our nation, I think, has has kind of see made Jen. its way. I see it sometimes yeah. and I hear it um, again, not by our mayor. I think he's really good at bringing us together. But the rhetoric that you would hear from me is we are one Long Beach. We are one united Long Beach and that our commonalities are far greater than our differences. Where you would say in, in maybe some other people, they would talk about Long Beach being divided these different districts or different areas, downtown, east side, or wherever it is, you would be trying to really unite Long Beach to one common goal, if you will. Absolutely. Unite and educate. Yeah. You know, for me, what different people in different parts of the city get is a reflection of what is being advocated for them. Okay. I'll give you an example. And, and I don't, I'm not going to talk about any other district except yeah, mine. Yeah. We're a very constituent serving council office. Uh, we don't talk about partisan politics. I don't even know how any of my, well, I know well, how one of them is registered mm -hmm. in terms of their party preference. But for us, it's about service, not politics. And I tell my team that all the time. I don't, we don't talk about politics. We don't talk about political futures. None of that. I mean, I wasn't planning on running for mayor. This, yeah. this is my one political job was uh, being on the city council. And so I tell the team, our job is customer service. So the services that are available to the third district are available citywide. Trash pickup, graffiti cleanup, dumped item removal, homeless encampment outreach, it's the same services that are available citywide. How we use them in my office may be different than yeah. others. One one thing is the Go Long Beach app. If I'm on a walk, my husband hates going on walks with me now. Patrick, you're, our dog, you're, doesn't you're, mind. You're, you're, you're on the app. Yeah, Patrick, our dog, doesn't mind because he likes the opportunity for a break. <laughs> but Mark likes to take fast walks, and I don't. I, I'm, I'm putting in this graffiti. I'm putting in this pothole. I'm putting in this broken curb. You know, I'm out there with the traffic engineer yeah. talking about what's the measurements here. We're just very engaged in that, in service, the the, the way services are provided. And, and I think there's an opportunity for us to – Use some of those constituent servicing values citywide as a template. I think people would. I think people 
like would like to hear that it's not about politics it's about people and service and instead of getting in debates like can we just fix the pothole or that's can we right. just do this or that's right uh, uh, so i mean you're you've you're taking your family on a run for sure right through this you have kids and you have a husband you have all of this and a dog and, and an awesome mom and an awesome mom and I mean, I think it's got to be pretty scary. Is is it? I mean, stressful inside your house to take on this much pressure and a absolutely. I yeah. mean, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you it's super stressful and it's super time consuming. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you the last tell, time well, how I many, did a well, walk. Or well, how many hours are you spending a day on this? Oh, easily twelve to fourteen. It's easily. unbelievable. Well, yeah. thanks for making time for yeah, us. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. But um, yeah, it's incredibly stressful, but. Look, I've learned the hard way that if you don't step out of your comfort zone and do the things that are scary, you're going to be that scared, lonely little girl in high school. They, so I go back to that place. Yeah. When I think about not taking a challenge or not taking an opportunity or not fighting for what I think is right yeah. because it's easier to not do that, I go back to that place that I was at in high school, which was safe, comfortable, not high stress, but also wasn't going to change the community around me. When you think about, because, you know, like you said, you say, you'll say the truth, right? Not everybody likes that. And so you're going to get criticism. You're going to get, you know, uh, different people are going to try to spin different things. You say, bring it on. Let's go. This, that's a part of it all. And you've been dealing with all of that. Yeah, I tell people I'm, I, you know, I'm uh, because of my profession. I'm used to every room I walk into. There's usually at least two people who really don't like me, uh, the person that was charged with a crime <laughs> and their attorney. Uh, that's usually the reality. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's just so. I'm not. I'm okay with people not liking um, a decision that I make. But my commitment to people is that whether you agree with me or not, please know and trust in the fact that I will always listen. I'll always be honest and any decision that I make will always be based in reason, like legitimate reason, yeah. not creative reason, yeah. reason based on the documents you've provided, reason based on the data you've provided, reason based on the anticipated outcome of what you're asking me to do. It'll be thoughtful. And, um, and once you have that attitude and you tell people, I'll always be honest with you, I won't tell you something that I think you want me to say if I can't deliver. All you can do is prepare the best you can and move forward. Well, I think it's pretty awesome. I mean, when you think of your origin story and just how you've had to navigate so much, I really didn't know about Long Beach State. That's that's amazing because that really, I think, um, in hearing your story was like this, this major moment of change. Six votes. Long Beach State changed my life. I am a proud daughter of that university. Because for me, it's a personal story. It was a journey of probably headed nowhere in life, nowhere spectacular at all, to the potential to change my community, all because of what I learned and the, the freedom to grow and yeah. being accepted. I felt like I belonged for the first time in my life. I yeah. felt like I belonged. Well, it seemed like you, from what I'm hearing is you were so good naturally of bringing people together and doing good. And in return, it's like they loved you for it. Like, I'm going to vote for you because you did something for us. And I think it sounds like you still do that, right? And in, in you're doing so much for a city and for 
for doing so much good for that city, you're asking for their vote. Absolutely. I'm asking for their vote because I care about the city where I've been able to lay roots for the very first time in my life. I'm not a person who had roots and now I have roots and my boys have roots and this is our home and this is our legacy. And I feel that it's worth fighting for um, to promote the, the principles and the values that I think are critical for us to have a strong future. Well, you have, you have how many days left till the um, till the big vote? 119. 119 of 12 to 14, probably longer in a lot of cases days. That's right. And um, I think so many people, again, I know so many people that respect you and care about you, but I don't think a lot of people know really about your story. And that, that's really my interest today was um, for just people to get to know you. And, and you fought through so many obstacles in your life. And truly, I have so much respect for you, too. Thank you, Ryan. I, mean, I just want to say one thing about that. You know, for, there's there's a lot there. Are, one of the things that, that I find really cheesy, I'll say, about politicians is they always start off their speech about how they had to ride their bike uphill in the yes. snow and they didn't have two. It's the same speech I give my two kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I give it to yeah. my kids, too. But I've always really struggled with that and almost to a fault made it a point not to talk about the past. The past for me brings up some trauma. The yeah. past for me brings up some sadness. And it goes to a dark place that, in my opinion, has never been relevant to a bright future. But as I venture out of my community and start to meet different people throughout the city, I realize that my past gives me a lot of things in common with people that live all around the city. And it's a story that that might help people get to know me better. So oddly enough, today I met a I met these probably about 25 years old. He's been homeless in Long Beach since he was seven. Living out of cars, living out of this. And he was so inspirational to me. He talked, he told me about making assumptions. He said, the biggest thing I've learned is not making assumptions. And um, he told me about a Ted talk that I should listen to that will teach me about stress and anxiety. And I think you're right. A lot of times an assumption that would be made on you is you had it all together. You're perfect. You're, you know, the straight A student it's sitting in the front and that hasn't been your story. But the, the, what's come out is your heart and interest in serving and doing good and giving back. And how do you not vote for that? How do you not say if you're willing to put your life, all these things, your family through all of this, how do I not support a person that is willing to do this. I think it's 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 pretty incredible that you've done all this, honestly. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that and giving me the opportunity to share with you. Yeah. Well, good luck in the next uh, 119 days. 119. That's right. And uh, we'll um I'll drop by I don't know some uh some notes of encouragement, some notes of on encouragement along the I way. I would love that. Well, thanks thank for you. being on. Of course, okay, thank you.